Welcome to today's energy podcast brought to you by Market Scale. I'm Sean Heath, and today I have a chance to have a conversation with Thomas Hotsey, the staff engineer for Longquist and Company. Thomas, how are you today? I'm great, Sean. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you for asking. I have to say, you get to do something that is pretty cool. Uh, I don't get to talk to people who get to, you know, work with salt domes and underground earth really massive projects very often. So I'm excited to talk to you about this, but I am kind of curious, how did you wind up in this industry? I mean, it's not just something you just kind of, you're walking along a college campus. Oh, look, I'll do that. This is, this is kind of a very specialized sort of field that you find yourself in. That's a, that's a great question, Sean. And first, let me say, thank you so much for having me on. It's a tremendous honor uh, to be interviewed like this. Uh, It really traces back to my family. Uh, my grandfathers on both sides actually worked in the oil and gas industry to put themselves through college. And my grandfather on my father's side, he was the one who, uh, during the Great Depression, he paid for his tuition at the University of Oklahoma. And after graduating with a petroleum engineering degree, you know, he embarked on a 36-year career with Dresser. And in, uh, in 64, he founded his own corporation called SECO, or Compressor Engineering Corp which he eventually grew to become the largest non-OEM manufacturer in the United States. So it's, it's been in my family, and I, I kind of wanted to follow my family footsteps. And, uh, you know, so when I graduated from college, I, I went and worked on a rig, just like my grandfather's. And uh, eventually I found my way back to Houston, which is where I'm from, and uh, was honored to get an interview with this company. And uh, Lundquist took me in, and I've just been running ever since with this amazing technology that we have here. You know, I like to consider myself a pretty, pretty, you know, do-it-yourself type guy, you know, taking care of business. Um, I don't know if I have what it takes to work in an oil rig, man. That is some hard labor. It, you know. You're it, not messing around. It, it, is, it, it, is very, it is very dangerous, but it's also very safe. I mean, these there there are a lot of regulations in place, and the guys on the site are the ones you want to listen to. And so, I left college, you know, as a as a twenty three year old greenhorn, and I went in and I, you know, I talked to my my grandfather. Uh, I was like, you know, who do I listen to on site? And he goes, you listen to this guy and this guy, and they're going to get you through. And so, I walked on site and I kept my mouth shut, my ears open, and I learned a ton. And I, you know, I got some great stories out of it, and I got some great experience out of it. And uh, I wouldn't trade that for the entire world. Now, give me really specifically, what is a day like for you at work? So the, my, my engineering design firm that I'm with right now handles everything from, from reservoir characterization to underground storage to exploration. And so I get to have the honor of coming into this job and, and taking on new challenges every day and learning something new every day from the other experienced you know, petroleum engineers or geologists. And so I'll come in and I'll have a set list of things I want to do, you know, that I've set out from either my weekly, you know, sit down, here's what I'm going to do in the week or from, you know, what I need to get done the next day from my yesterday's notes. And so I'll sit down and, and I'll, you know, monitor some stuff we have going on that I, I can't really talk about too specifically, but I'll, I'll do some monitoring and I'll give some reports out to our clients about some things that are going on with, with their projects. Uh, and then I'll see if, you know, someone will come in and say, hey, I need this done. And so I, I mostly work with our salt mining and our underground storage sections. 
at the moment. And so basically I'm coming in, the client gives me some data. I run a model or I tell them what it's doing down hole and I give them a report on it. And so that's about a day in the life of with me. So a salt dome uh, is an underground cavern, right? So a salt, a salt dome is, is, is imagine like a big mountain underground of salt. And these are variations, they, they vary in sizes. And so what we do with, to create a cavern inside of a salt dome is you drill a hole just like you normally would with any other, you know, any other, you've seen a drilling rig, you just drill one in uh, to a depth that we specify. You uh, run some casing down hole and then you start pumping fresh water. And all that does is it just leaches away the salt and creates a, a hole that we've specified and we've run by our regulation our regulatory boards to to, be, to create a certain size. And uh, we, you know, we can make these things as big as we want. You know, say the client will come in and they'll say, we want a hundred million barrel cavern. Um, or we want a 10 million barrel cavern. Sorry, I misspoke. We want a 10 million barrel cavern. We'll say, all right, here's here's what we think it should be, and, and here's how we'll model it, and here's how long it'll take. And so they'll say, okay, or they'll say, we actually want something else. And so we'll create, you know, sometimes these things are, you know, bigger than the Empire State Building. They're, they're massive underground holes that you have to monitor and make sure that they're, they're stable structures. So you're almost like doing 3D modeling for something underground that you can't actually lay your eyes on. That's a, yeah, that's a great point. So we do have the tools to actually, we don't have, we, you know, we can't put, you know, put someone down hole to, with a flashlight to look and say, oh, you know, it's not like a cave. But we do have this wonderful, wonderful technology. We use sonar technology. And so we'll run like a wireline uh, log is something that they run down hole in normal oil and gas wells. And we'll run one of those as well, but we'll run something else is called a sonar tool. And so we'll put the sonar tool down hole and we'll run it up and it'll shoot out and it'll actually give us a 3D image of the cavern, an extremely accurate image. And we'll use that to sort of monitor what's happening between the sonars that we have taken previously. And we'll model how the cavern has grown over the time period. It's very fascinating stuff. But it also sounds like you have a lot of math in your day-to-day because you have to look at the volume of the hole that you made and calculate how much liquid you can put in there. And it seems like, man, you would think, okay, I graduated college and now I got to do all this math? Let me tell you, you never stop doing math. I love it. Uh, I, have to, I have to give a shout-out to my fifth-grade teacher, Mrs. Crossgree. If she didn't hammer all those multiplication tables in me, I wouldn't be where I am today. Uh, so I, you know, I, I do a ton of math. I do volume calculations. I do... I do all kinds of, of, of manipulation of numbers, conversion from, for example, barrels to cubic meters. And, and it's, it's just, I have a calculator, I've got a pencil, I've got all kinds of wonderful stuff. You have one of those really great scientific graphing calculators that's like $400, right? Well, considering Your name's engraved on it. <laughs> considering I've had it since, you know, ninth grade, I think I've got my money's worth out of it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That is fantastic. Hey, now let me let me ask you this question just as I because I don't know an, uh, very much about this topic. So, you create a salt dome is an mm-hmm. underground storage facility for for waste products, right? So, from from uh, fruit and natural gas, it's it's what's left over? Is that what you put in there? So there there's there's a wide variety of of uses for for these caverns. One of them is waste. Uh so when you drill a hole it, it, you you create a bunch of what are called cuttings, and these are basically rocks about the size of anywhere from pebbles to to cobbles, and uh, they're they're norms or naturally occurring radioactive materials. 
And so you need somewhere to put those. And one of the places that they can put them is, is in these salt caverns. Uh, and they'll, they'll, they'll sit there and they'll, they'll, uh, you know, they'll be contained in the salt dome. And, and you don't have to worry about them leaking into your groundwater. But we do all kinds of things. We can store LNG. We can store, uh, let's see, we can store ethane. We can store crude oil. Uh, we can store natural gas. And we can store anything in these caverns. And the reason that that works is because salt is relatively inert, right? Unless you put a liquid or something in there, that salt's just going to be salt. It's not going to yeah. change, right? Yeah. It's, you know, when, you, when you create a saltwater disposal, you're looking for a confining layer. And what a salt cavern is, is, it, is the entire salt dome is a confining layer. Uh, and it's just, it's, this, it's just this fascinating and wonderful thing that this tool that we can use to sort of not only dispose of, 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 of waste, oil-filled waste, but also to, to store you know, crude oil or natural gas or LNG or all these things that, that you don't normally think about storing, you know, taking out of the, we've, we've spent all this money and time to take it out of the planet, you know, and then we got to put it right back in. <laughs> so when, when we're talking about salt, are we talking about sodium chloride, like table salt, or is this well, a different type of salt? They're, 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 the chemical compound is not something that I specialize in, but yes. And, and these are, you know, these are things that like up in, uh, there's a, there's a salt uh, formation we work with up in the the shale crescent, and it you know it, it also comes out in uh, in upper state New York, and they use it to mine for for people to eat or to salt roads, from what I understand. Wow, that is really interesting. So you can really uh, to use a really bad comparison, two birds with one stone. You could pull the salt out and then use it as a safe storage space. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times, what will happen is a company will come in and they'll mine. Uh, a big cavern for salt and they'll use it as which a, saves you the work of having to dissolve it <laughs> yes uh, and they'll, they'll use it as brine for for some of their operations but there, i mean there's also anhydrite there's a bunch of ins- they're called insolubles in our industry in there and, and so it might not be safe for consuming after we get done with it but um but they they'll, they'll come in and they'll actually be salt miners or brine miners and that's how what they'll use the caverns for and then they'll turn around and they'll they'll sell them to storage companies if they're in the right place now, just on a brief side note here, you worked on a rig. Have you ever worked on a like a water-based rig in a Gulf or something like that? No, I, I never. I never had the opportunity to work offshore. I was uh, mostly in West Texas and uh, New Mexico. Uh, I never. I never. You know, uh, offshore was always something that I was keeping an eye on. But at the time, uh, with the way things were working out, this this company in West Texas called me, and I I jumped at the chance to go. I just want to say a lot fewer sharks in West Texas. Just, just saying. Uh, it, you made it, a good choice. I've never, you know, I've never seen it sleet sideways before. It was a very interesting experience being out there in the middle of nowhere, um, especially coming literally from graduation. You know, and then about a week, and then I get in my get in my truck and drive from uh, Oxford, Mississippi, where I went to went to college, all the way to Midland, Texas. Uh, it was it was definitely a little bit of culture shock. So now you do, because of your, you're quite technic, technically and technologically proficient. You have to be, to be able to perform all the calculations and all the work that you have to do. So that means that you keep a close eye on trends and you're able to see patterns and, and the way industries change. And you can kind of, I know you're not a fortune teller, but you can kind of see, you know, which way the wind's blowing. Have you seen some trends over the last couple of years that, 
that you've really made you sit up and take notice and go, oh, so this is where we're going now? Well, the the big thing that that sort of changed recently for us in the industry here is is they they uh, we we had our ban on exports lifted, and so we've started to see a lot of companies not only you know sniff around and and see if it would be profitable, but also you know go all in on on getting their uh, their product to different markets that need it, and and so you know simple supply and demand, but on a global scale. And so we've seen a solid uptick in people coming to us and trying to figure out how they could use what we do uh, to to start exporting uh, things like natural gas or crude oil, for example. So your company, Longquist, mm-hmm. uh, you obviously have mentioned that you guys work um, in you primarily work on the salt dome and for storage and disposal and um, CAES. There's just a, a, a all kinds of versatility that comes along with salt caverns. Give me, tell me a little more about that. So, so case uh, I want to touch on case is compressed air energy storage, and there's only two facilities like this in the entire world. There's one here in the states in Alabama, in McIntosh, Alabama. And there's one in Germany. And case is something that keeps coming up. We keep getting people coming to us in different stages of their of their sort of looking into it and asking us what they can do. And in case is actually something that would be used to help with the power grid for generating electricity. Um, so that's one extremely different uh, use of this you know, you know similar cavern to someone who wants to say go down to somewhere near a port where they're exporting. And, and putting LNG or, or crude oil or natural gas onto a tanker and, and shipping it across the world. And so that's this, the wonderful diversity of the things that we do here is we, we, we're, we're creating massive, massive caves in the ground, but for entirely different reasons. Well, I, you know, we see in movies all the time, and this is the final question before I let you go. And I always thought when you see an oil rig in a movie, just a straight oil well, and they're digging and, oh, is it a dry hole? And all of a sudden, boom, it's a gusher. And they're always dancing around so happy. And I'm thinking, cap that thing, man. You're wa- Look at all that money you're wasting. <laughs> is that is that me not knowing the real, you know, do I not know all the facts or are they really wasting? They're just spilling money on the ground, right? That's, that is something that we absolutely do not want. We do not want to affect the environment like that and just let an unchecked spew of crude come out. I'll, I'll tell you a story, Sean, and, and I'll try to keep it brief. And I want to thank you again no, for take your time. having me on here. Um, so I'll tell you a story. Uh, we were on a well, and I won't say who the, who, the, who the driller was or the contractor was. We were on a well in West Texas. And so there's two stages to that big boom, that big gusher with the, all the oil. You see the roughnecks dancing around, and, and it's called a kick and a blowout. And a kick is where there's a sudden influx of, of fluid into the well. There's a gas kick or a water kick. And I, I, won't, it's, I won't bore you with the details, but when that happens, you know, we want to have control. The driller wants to have control for A, safety of the, of the people on the rig, and B, the environmental impact of a spill like that. I mean, we all, you know, we all, we all don't want that. And so when we get a kick... We go into it. The the guys on the rig, we can recognize that we have all kinds of wonderful technology that helps us recognize it. And we'll uh, they'll immediately go in. They've got a plan. This is how they they read their meters, they read their scales, and they 
they come out and they say, here's how we're going to fight this. And they, they go into an action mode immediately. And then that, what that big gusher is, is basically a blowout. And that's the last thing you want. And so there's a thing called a blowout preventer. And it's a wonderful piece of technology that has all kinds of things called like rams, for example. And, and, and it, what it'll do is it'll just seal the hole entirely. And so when you see guys on, on, on movies or television shows, not going to name any, uh, and they have that big gusher like that, that's not something we want. What we, what we, what we want is we want to drill a hole safely. Uh, it's not only safe for the guys on site, but for the guys, you know, for the environment you're around. You want to drill that hole and you, and you want to keep it safe and you want to cap it and send it to the production team. So they can come in and they can either install a pump jack or do a frack job, whatever it is. The last thing you want is an uncontrolled hole in the ground. And that's why the movie Hellfighters exists. It's because people, people are paid to come out there when that actually does happen. It's generally not good. Um, and it's never good, actually. And that's why, the, you know, the, the Hellfighters, like, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, Red, I think is. Anyway, like Boots and Coots, for example, or the movie in uh, Into the Dark, not Into the Darkness, or Darkness in the or the, the movie The Fires of Kuwait. Thank you, Fires of Kuwait. And, and the blowout like that is not something we want. And so we have uh, an immense amount of technological tools to to fight it and to keep it down hole and to move it on down to you know once the well's done to production, for example. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today, Thomas. Today I've been talking to Thomas Hotze, the staff engineer for Longquist and Company. Thomas, I want you to keep safe out there, keep fighting the good fight, and you know what? Maybe take a day off every once in a while, just just a small break. But thanks for taking some time out of your day. Sean, thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. I'll talk to you again soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.